Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 16, Royal Rumble 1988. Oh, we're going to rumble in the ring? That's probably a better tagline than... There's no tagline, is there? I, I I didn't ever see one. I don't have one, but I obviously made a joke to myself in my notes, but I can't read it. Because it's like obviously an acronym or something that I did not that I thought maybe I would remember. And you and I don't. Did, I, yeah, I definitely do not. It's like a backslash aw. All the wrestling everybody yeah. wants. <sighs> I don't know. I have no. I have. I, don't I think know it yet. adds a, adds an extra letter yeah. there. Well, the Royal Rumble. Always, 19... always wrestling. Always wrestling. <laughs> always, always wrestling. Always, always wrestling. Royal Rumble 1988 was the inaugural Royal Rumble event produced by the WWF on. January 24th, 1988, and we might remember that date because it's the same day as last week's show, the Bunkhouse Stampede Finals. Oh, wait, so, wait, the Bunkhouse is 24th, 88? Yes. So. I don't even remember Bunkhouse. The Royal Rumble, <laughs> it's, I know I watched it's been it. a minute. Yeah. I remember um, the promo. It was a horrible show. I remember the promo. Don't the, go the watch promo it. Was no, funny. that was Starcade. The promo is Starcade was funny. Yes, the promo, the promo for Stampede is funny. Yes, the Royal Rumble was held at the Cops or is it Caps? Have- it's it's a, it's an O, so co- okay, the Cops Coliseum. Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, but with like two P's, so it's like not real cops. No, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, the event the event was not a pay per view. Yeah, it I was- can tell because there's commercial cuts and shit. Yes, it was actually a television special that was shown on the USA Network the same night as. Like I said, it's the bunkhouse stampede. Oh, and it was like for free, so it's just, yeah, it's just Vince so, doing that dirty shit. So remember, Survivor Series was a they they did fucker. it on pay per view, and then they told all the yeah, oh, I cable that. companies, oh, yeah. hey, you can't run, and we're sitting outside. Yeah, we are. We like we yeah, we are out in the backyard. It's nice outside, but so if, uh, hopefully this isn't awful. Hopefully this, the AC kicked on. You may or may not be able to hear it. Hopefully you can't. But hey, we'll find out. Yeah, so just, just join us in the in yeah. this in this nature. So event. Survivor Series. Yeah, they put it on the same night as Starcade, and Vince went to the cable companies and told them, "Hey, if you carry Starcade, you're yeah. not going to be able to have WrestleMania four. Well, a bunch of cable companies did it. Mm-hmm. They they carried Survivor Series instead of Starcade. Why would they not? And but they basically got mad about the whole thing. Why would you not be mad? Exactly. That's yeah. So, nobody likes an ultimatum. Basically, I think like the, whoever controls cable, basically was like, the, the "Hey separate, Vince, yeah. you can't do that anymore." Yeah, the separate cable companies, the cable company like boss union. Yeah, basically turned into a megazord that said, "Fuck you, Vince." They said, "Hey, you can't do that again." So Vince was like, "All right, well then we'll make it free. I'll do a television special," which yeah. the USA Network was more than happy because this. Show drew a cable rating of 8.2, which was a record. So the whole world watched it. The whole the most, all of the United States watched it. It was the most viewed wrestling program on TV at that point. 
That's crazy. That's that's crazy. I, cause I was I didn't do like I kind of try not to do the deep research because it's more fun for you to bring it to me and for me to react to it. So I try to like kind of like like stay away from it. There's some stuff that I just like know, and yeah. there's some stuff that I hold back on the show just for like you know potential entertainment Gen- value. Reactions. Yeah, exactly. But the commercial thing, I definitely knew that was going on, but I didn't research it because I was like, well, Matt's gonna have the answer. So if I look it up, then we're just going to be talking to each other about the same thing. So good. So. Vince uh, is an ass. Basically. Last week, we, we talked about some stuff that was happening around January 24th. Here are a few more things. The Rock and Roll Music Hall of Fame had just inducted the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Drifters, Bob Dylan, and the Supremes. Was it the first year? I probably. I was like, as I gave the, the Beatles and like the Beach Boys, it's like, oh, so that's like the oh, first. Oh, you're year, not right? first ballot. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, the only thing you like, uh, there was one thing you said that I didn't know. The Drifters. But, yeah, I don't know the Drifters. What are the Drifters? Um, they drifted. I mean, yeah. I have no clue. Whatever, man. At least not right offhand. I'll look it up. Like, yeah, they've got. They were probably a band that had like. A, like probably had a few songs like a th- like a th- like a fifties like throwback classic like a, a the turtles where everybody knows a turtle song but they don't know it's a turtle song. So, also, got a birthday, and for it's it's three days after my birthday, after three my days after your birthday? after my first birthday. Well, then you have a birthday that's very close to Ashley Murray, who plays all all our Riverdale fans. No, I watched the first season. Uh, I. Shouldn't have said that on the internet, but I watched the first season, and it was kind of fun, but I've heard it's gotten really crazy where they're all, like, doing coke and no, not going a, to school. It's a soap opera. I love soap operas. Um, I just want to... said that on the internet, I too. do, though. Like, I like Twin Peaks is one of my favorite shows in soap opera. But she plays Josie McCoy, the lead singer of Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, the one with the big hair that, like, uh, she dates Archie for a little while? Yeah. Yeah. I watched the first, like, season and a half, and I was like, I don't care, but I've heard it's gone off the rails where it's, like, bizarro shit. Probably has. That sounds fun. Let's get to the show. Okay. Vince McMahon welcomes us to the Royal Rumble. Wait, behind some, like, really, or with some really weird music that sounds like two songs are playing at once. Which you probably heard over the opening credits of, or the, the opening of our show here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it seriously sounds like two songs on top of each other, where I was, like, I was watching it on my, in my living room, so I thought somehow that, like, I was getting audio from... Like, I have a computer and, like, a like Blu-ray player hooked yeah. up to it or whatever. And I thought I was getting audio from both of them at the same time because I was like, I'm so confused about this, these sounds. It evens out a little bit. And we see the logo come on the screen. Which, it was a good logo. I, I liked it. With the kind of a royal. Yeah, I know it's good. It's like a, a crown. It's kind of, kind of like an orangey color. Yeah. looks nice. And then Vince previews what we're going to see on the show. They're both um, pumped. And Vince and Jesse... I guess both of them are kind of talking yeah. in the show because Vince and Jesse are our announcers for the evening. It's nice that, like, is this the first show where Vince is, like, a main announcer? Where he, he's, like, really taking uh, over for I mean, he Gorilla? was the lead announcer for one part of WrestleMania 2. Yeah. Wasn't he the lead announcer for Well, I mean, 3? yeah, but, like, I don't I know. I don't think. I think it was still Gorilla. Was it the, Gorilla? Uh, but, like, Vince and Jesse are so good together that sometimes it's hard for you to watch the match because you're so you're paying attention to them riffing off each other so well. It's like it. They're almost too good together. Also, Jesse's got, like, a tie-dye shirt and, like, a suit jacket on, and he's he looks like Jesse. It's great. So we got our first match. 
Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Rick Rude. Like, best body in wrestling up to this point? Definitely. Yeah. I, it's insane. He's got he's got those those weird like you know there's like you have the abs and then like the top you I have those like those eight pack those weird like those those weird like uh, muscles uh, on like the outside of your rib cage. He's got those guys and it's like oh nobody has those guys. But the match begins and we got back and forth brawling. Rude attempts to throw Dragon over the ropes, but Ricky skins, skins the, the cat. cat. I love that. I love it when he skins the cat. Rude to the floor. Rude wants to lock up in a test of strength. And gets the advantage, but Steamboat fights back. And then we get Ricky working over the arm. And there's a fan at ringside. With the mi- megaphone? The megaphone lady. I bet I bet Vince was just, like, ready to shoot them in the mouth. Well, if you notice, I think this is the only match that you she uses the megaphone. Yeah, because they th- probably confiscated. Yeah, it was probably, like, this match and maybe one more. But I remember I like remember being like, yo, what was that? Because I was like, I didn't see Jimmy Hart come out with anybody. That was my first thought. I was like, I didn't see Jimmy Hart because I didn't hear what they said or whatever. And then, like, as I was watching the match, I realized it wasn't him. And I saw it was, like, the lady in the crowd. She was happy. But, I mean. She was having a good time. She was so loud that even Jesse makes mention of it on the commentary. Yeah. And you know Vince was fuming. He was like, ah, get her out of here. But the best part about it all is she had one of those, like, hats with the hands that, like, clap. Yeah. If you pull the oh string. God. It was so Canadian. Is that Canadian? I don't know. Oh, you're just throwing, shade. Just, you're throwing just, shade. I saw I'm you throwing, throwing shade. shade. You didn't see Matt's voice. She, she's in Canada. Yeah. They're in Canada. She's Canadian. Rude starts throwing right hands to break the arm lock and takes control of the match. A steamboat arm drag, and he has Rude right back in the arm lock, working over the right arm. Rude then reverses an Irish whip attempt and gives a back elbow to Ricky. We get some beautiful chops to the chest and a couple tomahawk chops to the head by Steamboat. Are they karate chops? Right? They are karate chops. I'm just calling you out, bud. That's true. They're, I mean, they, they're they, not they, yeah. It's not Wahoo. The same thing. They have, so yeah, they, they, he's, but, he's, but he came out in a, in like, in a gi. Karate, I get I mean, I don't, I don't know Ricky Steamboat's actual nationality, but. I mean, I think they say he's from Hawaii. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, who knows? He could be Native American. But he came out in a, in a I assume it's a, I think it's a, it's a gi. Yeah. It, it's a, called a gi, right? Yeah. It's close enough. Karate outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky then starts rolling the ropes, but Rude gives him a knee to the gut, and the dragon rolls out of the ring to recover. But Rude follows out, pushes Steamboat's back into the apron, and then body slams him on the outside. Rude then rolls back into the ring and begins to do his gyrating dance. It's funny. Rude suplexes Steamboat over the top rope back into the ring, and we get a two count. Rude's sitting on Ricky's back with a chin lock, but Steamboat is trying to fire up, even though it looks like he's tapping. Dude, my only complaint with this match. Is that right there? Well, it happens a lot. Yeah, he's like like pounding He's legitimately tapping. Like, it's not like a quick tap. It's like a... But he's like he's tapping like he's like moving his hand up from lifting it and dropping it on the mat in a consistent motion that is tapping. It's like lackadaisical tapping. But well, if that's that's not the worst thing in this match. Well, then what is this next thing is? What is it? The ref raises Steamboat's arm once, twice, three times. Does it do it four times? They all hit the mat. But he raises it a fourth time. I did not catch that. And it stays up. Oh, my God. Jesse catches it. Uh, Steamboat stands up with Rude on his shoulders, and electric chair drops him. That was cool. Ricky goes for a splash, but Rude gets his knees up. 
an atomic drop by Rude, and a cover, two count. And then Rude goes back to the chin lock, the steamboat sends Rude into the turnbuckle, and then slams his head into the turnbuckle ten oh, times. Don't worry about the fact that he also tapped again in between that chin okay. lock. <laughs> Every time he gets in a chin lock, he does the, the like, fake tap, I guess? Yeah. I don't know what to call it. Unofficial tap? We get a snapmare, a dropping chop, and a cover by Steamboat. Only a two count. Rude with a takedown, but the dragon gets the head scissors on, but Rude rolls over for a pin. Another two count. Steamboat then bridges out of the pin and turns it into a backslide pin attempt. That's fucking cool. Two count. A schoolboy pin attempt. Two count. The dragon trips up Rube and flips over on top for a pin. Two count. We get a small package, but it's reversed by Rude for a two count, which is then reversed by the dragon for a two count. But then we get an eye rake and a clothesline by Rude, followed by another pin attempt. Rude goes for a vertical suplex, but Steamboat reverses it into one of his own. The dragon then goes to the top rope for a diving crossbody, but Rude pulls the ref in front of him. Ref, ref bump. bump. Rude picks Steamboat up into a Canadian backbreaker rack ah. when the ref gets up and calls for the bell. Rude's celebrating and starts walking back to the locker room, but then the announcement comes. Winner by DQ, Ricky Steamboat. I had to reverse to, like, find out what the DQ was. It was when Rude pulled the ref in front of the crossbody. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. But I was like, but I'm just so used to that happening and not it not being a DQ. That, like, you Most throw, times you throw, it would have been a DQ yeah, you, on Steamboat. No. Yeah, like, you throw yourself back into, like, these older matches and you're like, oh, yeah, like, that's why it was. But, like, the rules are so... Rule, rules in wrestling only exist... They fluctuate. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they fluctuate with... The, like, excitement of the match. Rude is almost all the way to the locker room, and when the announcement comes, he's shown astonished and mad at the decision and begins to make his way back to the ring and starts yelling at the ref. And we go to a commercial break. Yeah, the commercial breaks are weird. It just goes black. Also, the music in this, in Royal Rumble's music, extra bad. It's just extra bad. It's not good. So when we come back, Mean Gene's on a stage with Jesse Ventura, where Dino Bravo is going to attempt to bench press a world record 715 pounds, and Ventura is going to be a spotter. And Michael just leaned back, like, he's like, holy hell, what the, was this? This is, like, longer than, like, fucking, I don't know, like, than, like, than the whole extended cut of, like, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> And it has potential to be good, but it takes too much time, which I understand, like, wasting people's time is a heel thing to do, and you'll get a bigger response because of it. Continue. Just go. Like, I have a list of notes, and, like, as I was writing, I was just like, God, I don't want to talk about this uh, at all. Well, let's, let's make it quicker than what we watched. Okay. So, basically, comes out, they're going to warm up, which... I've, and never, this is obviously I've, a, I've never heard of this is I mean, a, they're sell, they're selling in, they're selling the like the Vince's like fucking uh like weightlifting like bodybuilding fucking deal. Like that's that was happening at this time, right? I mean, this became Dino Bravo's new gimmick basically. Yeah, was, but they're still trying to sell like the whole like cuz he was doing the what was it called? Uh the World Bodybuilding Yeah, Federation. like this is that time period, right? That's uh, right around then, yeah. But like it's not before it's not like it's not after it was dead. It's like... I'm not real sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think so, yeah. but... Nobody's particularly well-versed in that because it didn't fucking work. 
But basically, they come out, Dino Bravo and his manager, Frenchie Martin, they make their way to the stage, and, you know, Frenchie says things in French. My favorite part about that was because, like, they're not in French Canada, so him speaking French is, like, funny, because, yeah. like, he's, like, doing that, and these are the Canadians that... They should be cheering they, for this. Well, no, well, they're, they're not, but they're not in, like... I don't they're think. Not in the, yeah, they're not. The yeah, in part of the country that. Yeah, but like they're also annoyed, so it's just like, oh, this guy's like really douching it up. But basically, they're gonna warm up like starting at a lower weight, which yeah. they start with like 415 pounds, and then they, they start working up. their yeah. way up. And every time, you know, Bravo's demanding silence. And everyone's yeah, he's like he demands silence. Thing is, if, if Bravo was good on the mic or a better like physical like acting, like had a better acting chops. Then uh, maybe it could work. Cause you could could you imagine like The Rock in 1997 doing this? God, Bef- no. Before he was hated, like but when 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 he was still hated. I mean, like when he was like Rocky Maivia when he's like in the nation. Could you imagine to him me, doing that in the nation? This, it would have been fucking. It would have been good because he would could sell it. Instead of this, it here. wouldn't have happened because of a different time. But like, could you imagine that that person with that kind of that kind of like you know ability to do a spot like that where it's an actually entertaining. But I felt like this got him more, not genuine heat, it got him go-away heat. Yeah, yeah, it got, like, we don't want to see you heat. Yeah. It's like Baron Corbin heat. Like, literally, they do, like, three setups, and I literally wrote, this is taking way too long. Yeah, I was I was losing my shit about it. I was like, I uh, fucking... and they just And they just keep going. Like, there is, yeah. like, six... This is all Vince McMahon shit. This, this is all is Vinnie all, Mac like, shit. There's, like, six setups, basically. Yeah, you know it's Vinnie Mac shit, though. But basically, at the end... I even have... I even took extensive notes that I aren't even worth reading. I, I'm literally skimming my notes. They boo. I'm I even just, have, like, the weight that they added. I feel like we've already talked about this more than I wanted to. I know. It's uh, it's legitimately entertaining. This one goes on for five ever, too. It literally... Like, literally, this segment goes on as long as the Rick Rude Steamboat match. Yeah. Because there's not a commercial break in the middle of this at no. all. There wasn't one in, in, no. in the middle of the I mean, the well, they have it. all the wrestlers are in the Rumble. So that's why they did I this. I mean, basically, they finally get to the unofficial 715 pounds. He starts to lift it. He can't quite get it up. That's what she said. Yeah. And then Jesse okay. helps him. Well, basically, you know, he pushes up, but Jesse, like, is a spotter. And he's like, what are you doing here? He's a spotter. And he explains. They actually explain how to lift weights. And, like... I don't fucking bench press. I don't. No. I don't bench press, but no. I know that I know that if you're lifting heavy weight, you have a spotter. Yeah, I do know that much. So you don't like have it fall on you and destroy you. Yeah, yeah. If I was ben- if I was benching t- tomorrow, uh, I would probably just be doing the pull. Let's start with the pull. It's about control, right? That's what she said too. <laughs> it's about the pull. It's about control. Speaking of what she said, we got the second match. Glamour girls consisting of Judy Martin and Leilani Kai with Jimmy Hart versus the Jumping Bomb Angels. Uh, red and pink. Norio Tatino <laughs> and Itsuki Yamasaki. Uh, yeah. In a two out of three falls match for the WWF Women's well, is it, is it, Tag Team Championship. Is it also an elimination? No. It's not? Okay. No. I'm getting something else twisted. So the story behind this match was that the Jumping Bomb Angels had pinned the Glamour Girls at Survivor Series. Which uh, and... We- we raved about that. If you have not, match. if you haven't watched that match, go back and watch that match. Yeah. Like, just go back and watch that match. That you don't match. like Survivor Series is fine. It's not great. It's, it's not. not it's not awful. But that match is great. Is important. 
And then after the show, they signed a contract to face them at, here at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So the champs are already in the ring, and the challengers get an entrance. I know. Well, I don't know Foreshadowing? If we're only lucky. Howard Finkel still doesn't attempt to say the Bomb Angels' names. No, and that's a running joke through the, sh- through the, through the match that I really appreciated. So, so the Jumping Bomb Angels start off with a double drop kick on the Glamour Girls. And then we get Kai Irish whipping Norio right into Martin's knee. We get a slam and a pin attempt by Martin, but Norio bridges out, and then a schoolgirl pin attempt by Tatino. There's also, um, I believe it was Red does like a Okada like Okada style like shotgun drop kick. Yeah. It was really nice to see at that time. Itzuki Irish whips Martin, then does a tumbling headbutt, and then picks Martin up into a pile driver position, but drops her with a side suplex. Jesse then asks what the names of the Jumping Bomb Angels are. And Vince has no idea. Vince says, unfortunately, I don't speak Japanese all that well. All that well. You don't have to speak Japanese to say names. No, that's true. I have friends that can't, like, say things, can't even say Japanese names. They're like, and they say it, and it's really funny. It's like, they can't even say the name. It's kind of like, a good example is, like, the famous comic book, like, Akira is what everybody calls it. But, like, it's Akira. <laughs> it's like, that's how you, that's, that's the correct pronunciation. It's Akira in English. It's Akira. So Vince is going to go with pink and red, as you mentioned earlier. So we get a flying body press by pink, Norio. But Martin <laughs> catches her and slams her. Martin then attempts a running elbow drop, but Tatino moves. And then we get a missile drop kick by Izuki on Kai. And then an octopus hold. Oh, these girls are so fucking good. Martin it's kind com- of upsetting how good they are. Yeah. Martin comes in and ends up kicking Kai, which brings in Norio, who gives Martin a drop kick. And the, J- and the Jumping Bomb Angels lock in stereo figure fours onto the Glamour Girls. Izuki then hits a double leg drop onto the thighs of Kai a couple of times, which is a move, like, even Jesse mentions yeah. that, like, he had never seen a move like this before. Well, what's crazy is the commentary team is, like, so over for, like, both of them together, which, like, the whole idea is, like, Face heel, like Vince is the straight guy and Jesse's the heel. But like, but, but, but they're the both jumping. they're both putting over the jumping bomb angels. Because yeah. how could you not? Jumping bomb angels continue to work on Kai's legs for a little bit, and then Kai begins crawling to her corner when Martin comes in to pull her. But the jumping bomb angels are trying to pull her back to their corner. Yeah, and we kind of get the tug of war. Using, oh yeah, we using, get the shotgun. Uh, this is the shotgun spot. The Kai using Kai. Which lifts Kai up into the air and dropped face first. Yeah, and it's mat. great. Yeah, it's basically like slingshot her. Once Kai gets out of the ring, once she tags out, Jimmy Hart comes over and starts rubbing her leg to help get circulation yeah, back in. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what Jimmy Hart was doing. Yeah, exactly. A little skis. Uh, Martin then Irish whips Suzuki into the corner, but rushes in, and but Yamazuki goes to kick her, but Judy catches and pulls her off for almost like a powerball move. It's kind of it was it was weird. There's a lot of stuff in this match that's like. Stuff you've, like, almost seen before, but yeah. somehow kind of different. We then get a leapfrog by Izuki, but Kai hits a kick to the back from the outside. And then Martin then hits an alley-oop powerbomb for the three count. The Glamour Girl, we and we go to a commercial at this yeah. point. Because they take a commercial in between. The well, there's, there's which, a... Which yeah. I thought was actually smart that I think that's probably the reason why they made this a two out of three falls match. Because then they could take a, a break. commercial yeah. break. In between each fall. Yeah. So it 
So, I, so I this was, was a, so this was live. It wasn't yeah, like the next day live. or something. It okay. was live. That's so cool. I was very appreciative of. of yeah, because I was trying to figure out if it was live. I like as soon as I saw commercial breaks, I knew, and when they were throwing into commercials, I knew it wasn't like a technical pay per view. So the Glamour Girls obviously take the first fall. Jimmy Hart jumps in the ring, starts to celebrate and hug his girls. And when we come back from commercial, the match kind of already started. By the time we've come back. We see Izuki bridge out of another pin attempt. Oh, those, those, those bridges are good. They're good. Yeah, they're great. You see that stuff in, like, basically in, like, kind of, like, juniors, ma- ma- male and female juniors at this point. Yeah. Like, currently. We get a scoop slam and then a splash attempt by Kai, but Izuki moves. with, And then it hits a drop kick and a leaping clothesline to put Kai down. Tatino goes to the top rope for a diving crossbody. Vince finally says the Jumping Bomb Angel's names. Oh, okay. Because you already said us. I was like, oh, he said their names now. And Jesse says, Tatino sounds Italian to him. <laughs> there's a, there's one kind of bocce spot where there's like, a, like Red does like a sunset, I think. The Jumping Bomb Angels give a double team suplex to Kai. And then Martin comes into the ring and we get stereo Irish whips from the Angels, which are reversed. But then the Angels stop from hitting each other. So good. So the Glamour Girls go for a stereo clothesline, but the Angels duck, and the Glamour Girls hit each other. It's so good. What kind of storytelling is that? Is that the good kind? It's very good. (laughs) Martin then picks Izuki up, but she rolls over for a sunset flip and gets the three count. Yeah. So we're tied at one count for each. Is that the... There was a a weird kind of, like, fluffy botch, but it's okay. So we come back in for commercial. Jumping Bomb Angels start off with a double... With some double team knees and clotheslines, Itzuki hits an enziguri, which Jesse and Vince don't call it an enziguri. No, it's just like a kick to the head. That's the thing I want to bring up later. Kai throws Tatino into the corner and charges in after, but Norio leapfrogs and pulls Kai down for a backslide pin attempt. And Leilani rolls through. Kai catapults Tatino towards her corner, followed by a double underhook suplex, and goes for the pin, but only a two count. But that double underhook though. Good. Kai Irish whips Tatino and goes for an elbow, but Norio blocks it. And then we got Kai throwing wild punches, but Tatino ducks them, grabs the Lani, and drops her with a reverse underhook face buster. These women. was an amazing move. These fucking, these goddamn women. Izuki with a scoop slam, followed by a Tatino top rope knee drop. And then Tatino hits the double underhook suplex for a three, for a two count, sorry. Izuki then hits a scoop slam and goes to the top rope, but misses a senton bomb when Martin moves. Oh, that senton, like, top rope senton. Tatino then hits a diving clothesline and goes for the pin, but Kai breaks it up. And as the ref is getting Kai out of the ring, the jumping bomb angels hit stereo top rope drop kicks on Martin, and Tatino gets the pin and And the the win. win. And And new! Goddamn. So good. I was thinking, like, I was like, man, why is there not just a, like, black and white t-shirt of, like, the stereo dropkicks? Is that our next next t-shirt? We're just going to, like, I just, like, it's probably hard to find a, like, solid image of it, but, like, god damn. How many, is there, is there zero Jumping Bomb Angel matches I, after this? Do they just, like, I, lose them on the road? Does nobody I remember? I think they lose them at WrestleMania. I think they lose them just on, in a house show, and yeah. then they basically, the Yeah, they're like, yo, disappear. we're going to go back home. Yeah, the titles just disappear until uh, it's 2019. Insane. I, yeah, until, until, yeah until, until the year we are living. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This match is a, 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 a blessing. It was great. 
And after the match, Jesse points out that the golden girl had a shoulder up. And they show, they, like, at this, at this point, they do the replay because, like, the, the production quality is just getting good. It's getting good. He's right. And I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks. Because it's like, ah. Uh. And I, it sucks because I want the Jumping Bomb Angels to have a clean win. I didn't see this at all. So and it probably just... and it probably sucks because we probably won't get another match. But I don't know. I try not to look too far ahead because I like to be surprised. 95% sure this last Jumping Bomb Angels match we'll ever see. Yeah, I mean, that we'll see in the WBF. That we'll ever see. Yeah, outside of me watching, like, looking well, behind yeah, me. Well, I, I mean, in Japan, I think they had a different name for their tag Probably. team. but So we head off to Vinci and Jess. Vinci. Vince and Vinci. Jesse. He's and Vinci they, now. Yeah. And they recap the Hogan-Andre feud, and we get some footage from WrestleMania 3 and the mm-hmm. missed three count. How do you feel about the missed three count? Do you think it's a three count? Do you think, it's mean, Or do you think that it's absolutely perfect because it, it is? Here's the thing. I mentioned it. Yeah. When we did our review of WrestleMania uh-huh. three, without prop, without any knowledge that that was what they were going to use later to on, continue the feud. Yeah, and I was like, it's it's perfect. It it, it plays well. It's perfect because like it's like you there's an argument on either side. Exactly, and it's great because there's like a perfect argument on either side, and the argument for Andre is much smaller than the argument for you know because he's a heel. It's like it's this is Hulkamania, baby. Yeah. And we see Ted DiBiase has inserted himself into the main main event scene, saying he's going to buy the world title. God, DiBiase. And then Hogan's interviewed and answers DiBiase with a, Hell, hell no. no. Yeah. Oh, man. It's good. The Million Dollar Man says he always gets what he wants. He's going to buy that title. And then we see footage from a Saturday night main event. Where Andre attacks Hogan from behind, basically just like squeezes. It's like it is. It's like basically like a back, a back from behind, like yeah. a sneak choke. And then DiBiase asks Andre. It's like kind of like a bat reverse Frankenstein <laughs> choke. Yeah. DiBiase asks Andre if he will deliver the title for him. And so we go to Mean Gene in the ring. What's funny now is like that, like Andre is like gonna just like get the title and give it to Ted DiBiase, but a few years ago, like he didn't even want the money. He was like, oh, like, he won and, like, had the money and just, like, threw it out into the crowd. That's true. So it's, like, it's kind of funny. It's, like, I think he's, like, him being, like, is he is he uh, grizzled? Is he, like, tainted by the fact that, like, Hogan's just always winning? So Mean Gene's in the ring with a table for the official signing of the contract for Hogan and Andre to meet on February 5th. It's the most solid table in all of contract signings inside of a wrestling ring. It is not a card table. <laughs> and so, it's 2019, mm-hmm. and we see contract signings all the time. I try to skip them, but I see I do watch them. But it's not a modern era idea. It goes all the way back yeah. to at least 1988. <laughs> yeah, this is the first one we've seen. Exactly on like on a paper on a paper like quote unquote pay per view yeah. like. We're not watching all the weekly shows. Maybe there have been some on weekly shows. It's a great way to pad out a weekly show. Exactly. That's how you pad out a weekly show. And this is on live on TV, so it's like, you know. So Oakland introduces President Jack Tunney, who's there. Hogan sits down. Everyone starts asking Andre to come sit down, but he just keeps standing in the corner. Is Jack Tunney the worst on the microphone, considering That's he's like the Why they just kind of... He's so bad. Didn't have him around very yeah. for very much. Give that thing to Monsoon. 
Finally, Andre sits down, and then DiBiase grabs the mic and starts taunting Hogan about signing. And Hogan just signs right away. He's pumped up, man. While DiBiase says, he just signed his career away, and you will be history. That's good. And you, you didn't mention that Virgil's there, right? Did not mention Virgil's there, but he is there as Virgil's well. Virgil's there. He's wearing, like, the, like, sleeveless, like, silver, like, suit. It's yeah, like basically like a, like a suit without uh, arms. Yeah, yeah. But Virgil's Virgil's fun. He's like stern. He has a great body. He looks imposing. And a small moment that a lot of people probably miss, but sometimes I see these. Hogan, after he signs, just gently pushes Tunney's hand with the pin towards Andre. He's oh like, yeah, getting to sign. He's like, yeah, this is in your hands now. And the entire time, Andre is like. Andre starts picking up the contract and, like, looking through it and just, like... Yeah, And the like, entire I, time, Hogan is mean-mugging the dude. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, ATG was mean-mugging him before that. We finally get... Andre finally signs, and then DiBiase tells Andre to put his official stamp of approval on it. And Hogan tries to grab DiBiase, but Andre grabs Hogan and slams his head into the table and then flips the table onto him. But does Andre really do that? We'll talk about that later. So we get Vince and Jesse. Uh, we go back to Vince and Jesse, and they're previewing the Rumble, the Royal Rumble match, the participants, and the rules of the match. What are the rules of the Royal Rumble, Matthew? Well, the Royal Rumble rules in this one, yeah, are each wrestler drew a number in the back. The first two. I mean, are that's in the kind ring. of like what they. At this point, that's like known. But you, everybody knows that like somebody was like, oh, well, we got to do this to book it this way. And every two minutes, another wrestler will enter until all have entered. Elimination happens when a wrestler is thrown over the top rope at any time. Not his feet hit the ground, Just thrown but over if the a wrestler is thrown, thrown over, over the top rope. Yeah, and there is an... Ex- so it's slightly yeah. different yeah. than what we're used to now. Yeah. It's like you could be thrown over the top and like... Catch the apron and roll back in. Now. Well, we'll see. We'll see a couple instances. Oh, I of, know. Of things that happen in this match, and I'm like, wait. I feel your tease. So we got Bret Hart with Jimmy Hart as entrant number one, and yeah. Tito Santana as entrant number two. I love Bret's all like mostly pink gear. Yeah, it is it's great. so good. Uh, we see the two matching up. Brett leapfrogs Tito, but Santana stops and lays out Hart with his right hand and then tries to toss him over, but Brett blocks. Hart hits an atomic drop and then comes off the second rope with an elbow drop to the back of the neck. Entrant number three, the natural Butch Reed, enters. And then Tito Irish whips Brett, but a reversal sends Tito into the ropes and he comes flying off with a forearm. Reed finally is in and goes straight after Santana. Reed has Tito halfway over the rope, but Santana fights back and gives a double noggin knocker to Reed and Hart. All the while, Jesse Ventura keeps referring to Tito Santana as Chico. He's continuing <laughs> to be. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's going Chico, and yeah, he's, it's 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 funny. It's mostly mostly harmless. Hart and Reed finally start te- double teaming Tito with a second rope axe handle and a double clothesline. And entrant number four is Jim Neidhart. Sounds like bad news for Tito. Oh, yeah. Reed goes to give a big knee to Santana, who's being held by Hart, but Tito moves, and and Brett is sent almost over the top rope, but he is able to regain his balance. We then see a triple team against Santana, and they attempt to toss Tito over the top rope. Uh, You know what JV uh, 
refers to that triple team as. He says that he must feel like a rotten enchilada. I mean, Chico. <laughs> Enter number five, Jake the Snake Roberts, who's running to the ring. Oh, yeah. And as he enters, he tosses Butch Reed over the ropes for our first elimination of the match. Ah, uh, poor Butch. Straight out. Roberts then with a lot of right hands on the heart the, the, foundation. The, the Roberts pop is huge. There's like DDT chance immediately. Like literally, like, like every time yeah. he has, he's even close to like, he's, there's a DDT chance. He's so goddamn fucking over, it's great. As the crowd's chanting for the DDT, Tito and Jake Irish whip the heart foundation into each other. And Roberts sets up for the DDT on Brett, but Nightheart saves him with the clothesline. And entrant number six is... King Dadbod, Harley Race. I mean Harley Race. Okay, okay. I for a second I thought it was about to be uh, my boy, but it's not my boy. My boy's next, I think. And nothing really happens until entrant number seven, Jim Brunzel. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess they had a couple back to back where nothing happened. Yeah. 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 The, the killer bee uh, himself. Brunzel going after the Hart Foundation, and he almost gets Bret Hart over. But then everybody joins in and either trying to push him out or keep him in. It was like the like all six guys that are in the ring, the three heels yeah. and the three faces. Uh, Jake the Snake has a has a real pulling. nice spot where he like pulls uh, like Nightheart's beard. It's really fun. Just like fucking like yanks on his little his long ass like lame lame ZZ Top goatee because it's not full on. It's just like a tiny ZZ Top. Yeah. It's like just either go all out or just or like keep it, or keep it clean. And then it's time for entrant number eight. Is it, is it who I think it is? It is is it uh, the the not-so-famous brother of Jake the Snake Roberts? Is it the bump machine himself? Is it the bump machine that doesn't really take very many bumps in this, this match? The, this is, the, is this the, this is this the man that I will probably never see again? Is this, this guy's uh, like Samuel Baby Doll Roberts? What Sam Houston. Well, I mean Sam Houston. Sam Houston. <laughs> Sorry, I said Roberts. But, you know, it fits in with the joke. The Hart Foundation tosses Tito Santana over the top rope to the floor for an elimination. Entrant number nine, Dangerous Danny Davis. And Houston's laying on the right hands on Davis. We got Harley stuck between the top and middle rope doing uh, like the pendulum swing thing yeah. while Roberts keeps hitting him. Danny Davis is MVP, M- MVP of this match. I wouldn't disagree with okay. you. I'm just, I was throwing it out here. I know it's early, but I'm just throwing it out there because... When you said Danny Davis, it was like, oh yeah, I watched this. I remember this. Entrant number 10, Boris Zukov. Zukov has Houston halfway over the rope, but a rake of the eyes helps him escape. And then Davis hits a drop kick on Houston. And then we get entrant number 11. But there's two guys running out. Oh yeah. Don Morocco and Nikolai Volkov. What's going on? Why do they, why do they want to get in the ring so fast? Wouldn't you want to be the later contestant? You would think so. What's the story behind the match, Matthew? Uh, I don't know. I, I assume. Well, I assume Volkov wants to get in to help Boris Zukov. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Partners. That was dumb of me. But Morocco hits Volkov on the outside, laying him out, and then he crawls into the ring. So he's entrant number eleven. Roberts and Brunzel finally are able to get Zukov over the rope and is eliminated. So like before Volkov is even able to get in the ring, Zukov's eliminated. Yeah. Volkov is then finally allowed to enter the ring as entrant number 12, and Hart tosses Brunzel over the rope, but he slips back through the ropes, and then Morocco sends Harley Race it, over the floor to be eliminated. It's really in character for the Killer Bees, honestly. 
Like for faces that did that shady shit at WrestleMania three, right? Mm-hmm. They were like the opening match on WrestleMania three. Yeah, where they that. like yeah, like they do the weird like heel thing, but they get like baby face love because they work like baby faces. But they're like you know they're not anti-American, so nobody cares if they cheat. Rachel's and I, I'm, to... I'm also uh, not talking shit. I'm a big big Killer B guy fan. You, you do like the killer bees. Well, you like the killer bees, right? I do. I okay. do like the killer Just making sure you're not... So Race is, after being eliminated, trying to get back in, but the refs keep him from doing so. And then Hart has Roberts almost over when Sam Houston runs over and hits Brett to help keep the snake to in the To save his real brother, not his kayfabe brother. Gotta love that brotherly they've love. Never, they've never said that they were brothers like in kayfabe, did no. they? And then entry number 13, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Dude. Jim... Continue, sorry. No, no go ahead. Duggan is so over. Yeah. And it's fucking annoying. And that's my take. Continue. As Duggan gets to the ring, he pushes Race, who's still on the outside of the ring. Yeah. Which Harley responds with a clothesline. Duggan then chases Race back to the locker room, and then we get a... Oh! Oh, Yeah, and the crowd does that the rest of the match, and I can't fucking stand it. I should love it. I don't. You should love it. Yeah, it's like, it. It sounds, it sounds like a thing that I would like love. You should love. Yeah. Like, it seriously seems like a thing that I should love. And he finally enters the ring. Then entrant number 14, outlaw Ron Bass. Uh, as he's entering, Roberts is about to slam Danny Davis over the top rope when Volkov kicks the snake to save him. And then Brunzel tries to pick Volkov up, but Nikolai li- lifts Jumping Jimmy over the top rope to be eliminated. So Jimmy Brunzel's gone. Aw, bud. Unfortunately, that means entrant number 15, B. Brian Blair, doesn't have his tag team partner. He doesn't. Triple B. And nothing really happens between him and then entrant number 16, Hillbilly Jim, coming to the ring. Hillbilly Jim is looks so big in this match. I don't know if he, like, lost weight or it's just been a while since I saw him or, like, he had a better fitting, what is it called, a fucking, not a onesie, but overalls. Overall. But, like, he looked like a monster. Hillbilly Jim back body drops Neidhart over the top rope to be eliminated. And then Bass tosses Blair over the ropes, but he slips back through the ropes. So both Killer Bees get tossed over the rope, but they slip back in before technically going to the apron. Killer Bees are the shady MVPs of like, like they're like it's, but they're the right kind of shady. And then we get entrant number 17. Dino Bravo with Frenchie Martin. Thankfully, he's not lifting weights. Nah. Houston's in an electric chair position on Bass, pounding on the top of his head, but the outlaw makes it to the ropes and sends someone's favorite over the ropes to be eliminated. But which, which favorite? That's your favorite. Which favorite? Sam Houston. Oh, Sam Houston. Well, I, was like, I, was like, I think one of, my, one of my other favorites is about to come. Sam Houston. But yeah, like Sam Houston didn't do shit in this match. But it was also a Royal Rumble, and I feel like this Royal Rumble was mapped out really well. Like, it's entertaining. But, like, there's not a whole lot of big spots because it's a lot of, like, brawling. But it's, yeah. shot, it's shot well, and it's timed well for... We'll get to that later. Entrant number 18, the Ultimate Warrior. Is this our, is this our first... It's uh, our first Warrior match. Our first UW. Ultimate Warrior. Looks terrifying. Is a WWE Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, for, I always forget about this bit, because the longer it goes, I let, we don't have to do this as often. We don't have to do it as often. And when we first started, I was like, we're doing this every guy? And you were like, yeah. I was like, okay. Okay, Matt. We won't have to do it all that often. No, yeah. 
Morocco then tosses Bret Hart out to be eliminated at the time of 25 minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, Bret Hart. Iron Man of the match. They were, they were they're building him up, but for some reason, I just thought he might have gone longer. Not that he didn't go long, because he did. Entrant number 19, One Man Gang. <sighs> one Man Gang. The poor, the poor man's Bam Bam. The poorer man's Vader. Like, it's just like, ugh. So One Man King gets in, tosses B. Brian Blair, and then Jake the Snake Roberts over to be eliminated. And then we got entrant number 20. J-Y-D. Time to grab them cakes. Oh, man. J-Y-D is probably half-cocked. He is probably, like, halfway through a 750. Uh, it doesn't necessarily look bad, but it's one of those things where he came out late. He gets a good, he has a pretty good pop. He doesn't get a Duggan pop, but he gets a real good pop. He doesn't look terrible physically, but nobody in this match really does anything impressive. Yeah. It's just a lot of good storytelling. So Warrior hits a double noggin knocker on Davis and Bass to give an idea of what's still in the ring. The smallest man is Danny Davis left. Yeah. The next smallest guy... So you're guy, telling me Danny Davis is going to win the Royal Rumble, 88? It's possible. I don't know. The next smallest guy, I'm like literally paused and I'm like looking in the ring and I'm like, is the next smallest guy the ultimate warrior? <laughs> that tells you... Ultimate warrior probably weighs the same as fucking one-man gang because like muscle weighs more than fat. <laughs> but that tells you... It's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. Of everybody yeah. in this match. That match is uh, that that ring is uh, extra stiff for this yeah. show. Uh, Volkov and Duggan are brawling when Hacksaw ducks a punch and back body drops Nikolai over to be eliminated. One man gang then back body drops Hillbilly Jim over to be eliminated. Duggan goes to the three point stance and gives a clothesline that sends Danny Davis over to be eliminated. If you're not catching the idea of this, like. Lots of brawling at the first part of this match, and now it's just like literally every move is like elimination. Yeah. Yeah. Dino Bravo and One Man Gang team up to toss Ultimate Warrior over to be eliminated, mm-hmm. and the One Man Gang I rakes JYD, and then Ron Bass comes over and tosses him right over to be eliminated. He, he rolls my 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 yeah my barrel root beer out, and JYD has the shortest time in the match at just a tidbit over two minutes. Don't. Be- I, they bur- they buried my hero, my not like in ring hero, but my charismatic hero. Morocco then hits Bass with a clothesline from behind that sends Ron Bass over to be eliminated. Also, Morocco has been in this match longer than Brett, right? Nope, Brett goes really? the longest in this match out of everybody. I guess Morocco was like second or third. Go was like tenth, I think. Was he really eleventh? Okay, well he really made he made a he looked good and he does a he's. Pretty magnetic, considering the amount of people that are in the ring. So our final four, mm-hmm. Morocco, mm-hmm. Bravo, Duggan, and One Man Gang. So two faces, two heels. Yeah, not the four that if you asked if like a week or two ago, you're like, hey man, in Royal Rumble 88. I'm going to give you these here's 20 the, names. Well, like, yeah, here's 20 names, like pick the last four. Definitely not the last four, I would that, No, no sir. So Which Bravo, was exciting for me to watch it. Yeah, Bravo, Irish Whips, Duggan, and then One Man Gang with the clothesline in the corner. Bravo and one-man gang team up on Morocco, but Morocco's fighting back. Morocco drop kicks the gang, sending him stumbling towards the ropes, but Frenchie Martin jumps up on the apron and the Rock drop kicks him. Bravo's holding Morocco and one-man game gives a clothesline to send the Rock over to be eliminated. 
Duggan looks to get double teamed, but he takes the fight to Bravo and the Oilman Gang, but the heels finally get the advantage after a double clothesline. Bravo's holding Duggan with One Man Gang going for another clothesline, but Duggan moves and Bravo is sent over the ropes to be eliminated. Yeah, well, that's also like earlier in the match they did that spot too. Yeah. To who? It was just earlier. That's how they sent uh, Morocco out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, it's, literally it's, they did yeah. the same spot, but it's this a good time, setup. This time the face moved. It's a good setup and it's like a different kind of fan at that time. It's like not everybody's going to remember the thing from the beginning. So Duggan and One Man Gang are left, and we get lots of lefts and rights from Duggan, but One Man Gang regains control. Also, uh, what, what, is the the, what is the Duggan, like, chant that everybody does? He goes like this, he lifts Whoa. his arm, and they just go, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Duggan is on the ropes when One Man Gang comes charging in for a clothesline. Duggan ducks, pulls the top rope down, and One Man Gang goes over to be eliminated. But he did have the most eliminations with six. Yeah. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan is our winner. And for winning, you get... Um, a, another absolutely new, nothing. A new 2 by 4 Basically. You get no prize for a winning four this by four. Run. It's a Nissan truck. It'll be a few years before there's a major prize given for winning this match. Yeah. So then we go to Vince and Jesse, who talks some more about Hulk and Andre. And we see a replay of what we saw earlier in the night of the contract signing. And then Greg DeGeorge is on the stage with Hulk Hogan. And Hogan, a few quotes that I hear for, have here from Hogan. Oh, okay. Every trick they pull, it adds fuel to the fire. And then, he's been waiting for another chance, but you won't be able to break the Hulkamania. Oh, I have some different ones. I have wires crossed. He's got a dagger in the ribs. They got You got your wires crossed. Like, he pulls his shirt off. Funny that we have, like, the, the things that you quoted in your notes and me from the same Hulk promo is very funny because I, pe- I guess I pulled the, the, the weirder stuff but he's got to defeat all yeah defeat me you got to defeat me you got to defeat all these uh, which is an acronym I just made up the other day but hams which is uh, Hulkamaniacs yeah you got to defeat all these hams which is pretty funny because Hulk is definitely a ham well basted ham so we're headed off to our fourth match we got the Islanders of Haku and Tamu versus the Young Stallions of Jim Powers and Paul Roma. And the Young Stallions have a good good entrance tune. And this is a two out of three falls match as well. Is this the elimination one? Is there? Or no, am they're, I? They're I'm, not I'm conflating something. Yeah, you're going crazy over here. I bro. am sorry. And once but again, a, what's again, the story of the match? There's something about the health of Matilda. Well, that's more. Because, like, that's British Bulldogs. Like, is that the same Matilda? Yeah. The Islanders have been feuding with the British Bulldogs. Yeah. They, they dognapped Matilda. I didn't really go into any of that stuff because it didn't really pertain to this match. They talk about itself. it, though. It's about the Islanders, but yeah. it doesn't pertain to this match in particular. Okay. We'll get to it probably at WrestleMania 4. That's, called, a that's called foreshadowing. So we see the match start. We, uh, Powers hits an atomic drop on Tamu, sending him towards the Stallion's corner where Roma punches him, and then Powers punches him, and then Roma claps the ear. And then Roma with a pair of leapfrogs, Haku is running the ropes, then an arm drag, but Haku reverses the arm drag into an arm drag of his own. What's really fucked up about uh, this match is like it's a lot of really great action, but like Jesse and Vince aren't really calling it at the time. 
they're just talking about like the bench press segment and going back and forth over it yes, over this match arguing. and it's really annoying because like Vince call, even Vince who probably made up the bench press thing like in character is calling the bench press segment fucking boring straight out to like Jesse and like talking shit to him or whatever but there's an amazing tag match happening in front of them and it really took me kind of out of the match because I was so annoyed with them not paying attention to what I thought was a yeah. really well executed tag match. Like, there's two great matches on this show. They're both tag matches. This is one of them. We'll talk more about that later. So, Roma's Irish whipped, ducks a Haku clothesline attempt, and comes off the ropes with a crossbody. The Islanders have, get lots of quick tags and double team moves to keep powers in their corner. You know, like a tag team. A diving clothesline and then a drop kick by Roma on Tamu. And then another drop kick and a pin attempt, but Haku breaks it up. Tamu then throws Roma out of the ring, and Paul is having a hard time getting to his feet as he is holding his leg. And Roma is counted out, so the first fall goes to the Islanders. So good. And we go to a commercial. Now, when we come back from commercial, the Stallions, I guess, have gone to the locker room to get medical attention. Yeah. Which we all know why once they start, but it seems weird that they would allow a team to just leave the ring. Oh, you're saying they're going to go back and do, like, drugs? No. They're going to do some cocaine? It's so that we can get another replay of Hogan <laughs> and Andre. <laughs> I know. I'm talking shit. I mean, you know, and to then, each their own. Maybe they were straight edge. Maybe. And then Greg DeGeorge is on the stage with Andre, DiBiase, and Virgil. I got a few quotes here from DiBiase. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the end of Hulkamania. Hell yeah. And then he always gets what he wants. And then Andre says... I'm still undefeated, and I will deliver the title to DiBiase. I have different ones still. More than a statement, we painted a picture, Ted DiBiase says. And I'm like, fuck, that's good. But, yeah, Verbal's got some some crispies on the outside, holding up some cash. Ted DiBiase, how are you going to do it? ATG, I'm undefeated. And still undefeated. Destroy Hulkamania. I will deliver the championship. The, yeah, the thing that... I find really bizarre is like, even like throughout the whole show, we really, I don't think we've talked about it yet. But throughout the whole show, Jesse and Vince are putting over like the fact that Andre is in quote unquote like sh- sh- the best shape he's ever been in. Sh- sh- it's like when he's technically obvi- in the well, worst yeah, shape. Well, yeah, like I mean, life. like the man is like it's not it's not his fault as is the cards he was dealt, but like it's kind of obvious, and we'll talk about it with the table flip and stuff but like the it's it's really weird and it also like kind of adds a weird sadness to it because we all know you know i mean andre gets we'll, we'll talk about it later but it's really weird that they keep saying like i feel like we should have said it earlier but they keep talking about how like oh this is andre's in the best shape he's ever been in and it's like that's yeah. obvious like it's like yeah it's like that's so like you guys know more about like you know weightlifting and physical health than your wrestling fans, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, putting that over is really weird. Where they could, they don't have to do that. They could make up any other thing about Andre. But, like he's big, or like they'd be like, oh, like he's he's angry now. You don't want to piss off a giant, or like you know he's now motivated by by money and you know ready ready to fucking retire and take what he can get on his way out. Like there's so many other things to do, that's but the sh- the shape thing is just like kind of feels like weird because it's so it's it's so obvious and then like hindsight of course but even at the time it looks obvious yeah 
So the interview's over, and the Stallions make their way back to the ring as we go to another commercial. And when we come back, <laughs> the ref makes Roma get back into the ring. Like, Jim Powers tries to start, but the ref's like, no, Roma was the legal man. Yeah. So he makes the makes him get back in. He pulled a real Eddie move and, and, did, and did the right thing. That Eddie, I swear. <laughs> and we see Roma's knee is taped up at this point, and Thomas starts attacking that knee right away. Tommy with a scoop slam and then a splash attempt, but Roma's get the knees up, which ends up hurting him as much as it did the Islander. And then Roma's able to crawl over and tag Powers in. Big body drop by Powers on Haku and then begins to slam the Islander's head into the turnbuckle. He then hits a drop kick and a vertical suplex on Haku. And then we get a double headbutt by the Islanders to help regain control over Powers. And the entire time in a conversation between Jesse and Vince, they're they, talking about, like... Their it, commentary, like, the commentary on the show is good, except for the last match, they just somehow stopped talking about the match. And I it's mean, upsetting. They did, they did mention, at, like, right around this point, that, like, would it be better if Powers tagged Roma in with his hurt leg or for yeah, him just to yeah. stay in? They, they kind of play that up a little bit at the very end of this match. I do like that uh, uh, Jesse at one point uh, says this about himself. Which is like super honest, probably one of the more honest things Jesse says about himself in character. But he says, "I'm the immoral minority," and I'm like, "What a fucking bizarre sentence that sounds so good." And like, you're like, huh? Okay, all, all right. All right. Yeah, you kind of like triple take. So Haku Irish whips Powers, who comes back to roll up the Islander with a small package for a two count. Haku then hits a body slam and comes off the ropes to do a somersault splash. But Powers moves. Powers makes the tag to Roma, but Haku immediately goes for the leg, and Paul is writhing in pain. Haku's, Paul fucking gets it. Haku is holding Roma's leg out while Tama, Tamu comes off the top rope with a splash directly onto the leg. And then Haku locks on a single leg Boston Crab, and Roma taps out. And the Islanders win the match. But you know what? You know zero. you know what else happens though. What else happens? Uh, Roma sells that fucking that fucking oh, shit yeah. like death. Like Roma, fucking. When I kills. say writhing in pain, like literally, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm watching it and I'm like, that's just not like. No, I'm no. hurt. Yeah, I'm like I'm extremely yeah. hurt. He's he sell he yeah he sells it like uh, he sells it like like if you punched your brother in the face and he went to go tell on you. Like, he sells it as well as him telling on you. But in the ring, physically. Bad analogy, but you get it. I get it. We've all hit a sibling. So then Vince and Jesse recap the evening and say their goodbyes. Also, two straight falls. Two straight falls. Two straight falls. I'm a fan of two straight falls. It's good to throw that in there every once in a while. In a two out of three falls match. Instead of going one-one and then... The Islanders theme is good as well. And uh, I'm excited for you to be able to play that in this show. Because you have to, right? That's right. Overall thoughts, Mr. Does, does Hulk not come back out and pose? He does not. Overall thoughts. Steamboat tapping uh, was annoying, and if he didn't do it, it could have been a really gr- like good to great match. But it kind of takes you out of it. But outside of that, it's pretty solid. To say that about Steamboat, but it's true. The Jumping Bomb Angels um, Glamour Girls match, uh, you should watch twice. The actual Royal Rumble is legitimately entertaining, I think. I think that it's, like, done pretty well considering what it is for the first one. I feel like 
they really did put some kind of thought into it there's like some psychology it's a lot of brawling but the camera work is good and like the stories that they tell like on commentary with yeah, what's happening in the match the camera is, work, is, i think they only miss like one one kind of yeah i mean like they, they might miss like some some stuff but the thing is, is like they it's so well mapped out that like the camera work is telling the same story that the commentary is mm-hmm. and they don't have as many cameras or the same equipment that they do now and it's like legitimately good and i'm not particularly a fan of these styles of matches i think that they are probably fun live but you know i think i think it was really good but it wasn't the best match on the show but i no. think i think it was the third best and what's really this is gonna suck for me to say but i think that the least good match is only because of steamboat's like ill-timed or like bad choice of the way he moved his hand on the mat because i don't think it was a bad match but i think that the rumble match is good jumping bomb angels match gummy girls match fucking fantastic the islanders match and stallions fucking i think it might be the best match on the show but the commentary for the for the match is fucking trash so it's like it's like what do you like they're no sell they're no selling probably the best performance of the evening i don't know how do you feel i thought it was a good show not not a great show there's but it's a yeah. good show it, it definitely has its moments yeah i mean Jungle i mean there's Bomb some Angels there's bad shit there's like the signing there's the the like weightlifting thing the, which we'll get to but those things suck and but they're, the, they're kind the, of and that's the yeah. reason why i can't say this is a great show. no no i would say if you're gonna watch this if you just watch the matches if, like yeah you can skip that like it's the thing is like the reason we do this is because like for context to see where things come and go and like to, to catch to find to look at the missteps and like decide whether we like those missteps or not because there's plenty of bad things that happen that you enjoy or have a good time with and even then, like, even if you don't like it, you kind of, like, love-hate it. It's kind of like, you know, a bad movie that you had a good time watching. But I feel like as far as matches go, there's four matches, and I think that they're all pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the Royal Rumble itself is Better than I expected. Isn't quite as royal yeah. as some of the other ones. It's the but first the, one. But the idea is there, and it's great. Yeah. And as we probably mentioned a few times... It becomes a favorite. A few for Matt, yeah. Like I don't have it, any it's, like. Yeah. It's my favorite pay per view. Yeah. On the schedule. I I thought I was really surprised with how like engaged I was with it, but that Islanders match was so fucking good. Yeah. It was so fucking good, and the fucking commentary team they didn't bury it. They just didn't. They just talked about other stuff. They were arguing about the weightlifting thing that sucked. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. So I think it's time for us to smark it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show for you? The Islanders and the Jumping Bomb Angel performance are my favorite things from the mat, from the show. And like uh, the like Grandma Girls also had a good performance and the Stallions had a good performance and those other guys would not have had great performance is without people to have a good performance with. But, like, they really fucking shined so hard. I mean, I'm going to say that Judy Martin hits an alley-oop powerbomb, which is it basically... It looks amazing. Which was... It, it almost looks like just like a... That gets her up on the powerbomb, but then uh-huh. just drops her. Yeah, it looks but crazy. But that's what it's called, is an alley-oop yeah. powerbomb. And then also the... The... What was it? The double underhook... Oh, yeah, uh, dude. Face 
face buster. Yeah. There's some like in, the reverse there's some like buster. innovative stuff in that match. Yeah. And the thing is like there's some innovative stuff in the women's tag match that like you uh, still don't even see today. Or you do and you're like and but it's not common. And then the Islanders uh, Stallions match is like as good I think it's about as good as a tag match gets, honestly. I, I agree. Like, That's it's, definitely, it's definitely my favorite match on this show. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, the best match. match. It's a, the women's matches. Yeah. Okay. But then, the, what about the, the Islanders matches? I feel like almost neck and neck. The women's match gets I the edge. Love, matches don't really happen. I don't love Roman's and and Powers. They did a good job. They did a good. They sold. They sold well. They, they, sold they told well. the story. But like they were very competent. But like the Islanders, like their like team mentality and just their fucking amazing drop kicks and physicality for being big guys, like. They seriously were extremely fucking impressive. Was there anything disappointing on this show? Uh, the, the weightlifting thing was boring and dumb, yeah, and they talked definitely. about it way too much. And then, like, the other thing with them talking about, uh, like, ATG, Andre the Giant, like, being in the best shape he's ever been in, which is obviously not, and, like, I get it, but, like I said earlier, there's different ways to sell him being the big bad. But the like, it's there's a weird sad spot where they do the signing and you know, basically Andre puts his hands on Hulk's head and Hulk like slams his own head into the table and then like Andre puts his hands under the table and Hulk grabs the table like overhand and like pulls it onto himself and it's just kind of a bummer because you know that Andre is like in not great health and like baby. it's one of those things like at the time you probably wasn't very noticeable but like you know I I know that. Because I've, you know, watched an Andre doc. So it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, in a time period, it honestly does look really good, the selling of those things. But, you know, in hindsight. I mean, yes, the weightlifting thing literally just went. Like oh, like man, I said earlier, it, it literally went as long as the Steamboat Rude match. Yeah. And well, I was watching like, it and I was like, it could have been good if maybe, like, he was like, Dino was like selling it better. But at the same time, I was like, what is he going to sell? Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cared. I don't know if it's a disappointment, but that the final four of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like who, I didn't. I didn't was, realize that I'm not a Dugan fan. I was just Duggan, like, Dugan. Oh, there's. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking about, it, disappointing that there are. I can name at least five people that are not on this show at all. Yeah, easily. That they could have put in that Royal Rumble easily. That I would have liked easily. better easily. They were doing a house show. Bam Bam, show. Macho Man, uh, Honky Tonk. There's just three just right off the oh, right off the bat. Yeah. And like, oh, we'll talk about Honky Tonk shortly. Yeah, some, we'll talk about him next week. Best performer of the night. It's uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels. I mean, it's the Jumping Bomb Angels. I would say Jumping Bomb Angels or the, like, or the, the Islanders. Or, ha- or, ha- or, or the Haku. Islanders. Like, but like, it's like those two. Like, the Jumping Bomb Angels, though, it's like the Jumping Bomb Angels doing something. They were both doing something kind of. Uh, like the Islanders were doing the best version of like good tag, and the Jumping Bomb Angels did different shit. Like the bridge out of a shit that we've bridge out of a pin, shit we haven't seen since then. Yeah. Or if we have, it was obviously influenced by them. How about most surprising? Uh, it was surprising that they actually said their names halfway through the match, and then continued to tr- attempt to do it. Uh, Ultimate Warrior showing up. I yeah, was not, I wasn't. I was not, I, yeah, I was yeah. That was surprising for me as well. I was like, oh, okay. So when he showed up, I was like, does he win? I don't know. Well, the funny thing is that like literally he got 
no fanfare really at all. It was no, just like, he just kind of came in. Came in. I mean, he looked like, terrifying. He was probably okay. beating the shit out of those guys. But could you imagine like Prime Goldberg and Prime uh, Ultimate Warrior in a a fucking in like a in any kind of match? Like, and who would they just both die? Would they both just like pile drive, like double pile drive each other into a six foot grave? Because they work so hard and are not wrestlers, and nobody really likes them. I mean, people, people like them. People like. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, like personally, the idea of them. Yeah, the idea. But I'm saying, neither like, in a personal, it's like, yeah. Well, neither of them are good wrestlers. But I'm just saying, like, people like a lot of people are like, Warrior doesn't like wrestling. He's a douchebag and an asshole. Like, you know, behind the scenes. And Goldberg, I think it's a little bit less. But if like if Warrior like actually took wrestling seriously he could have had a bigger career lots of people could have had better careers if they took it seriously took but he had seriously. yeah it's like it's like you were so lucky that you had this but now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling the dusty finish the gold dust trio also brought about another massive change in professional wrestling the introduction of time limits Time limits would ramp up the pace, forcing the wrestlers to work faster, avoiding the drawn-out contests that had defined wrestling previously. It had also added another layer of drama, as wrestlers could no longer wait each other out indefinitely. Another innovation that the trio brought about was the count-out. Combining these two new rules served another extremely important role, more ways for a match to end. A time limit draw or a double count-out were sometimes used to make a young grappler look like a star or further a rivalry while still be able to keep the title on Ed Lewis and increase the anticipation for a rematch. Next week, we're going to cover the main event, February 5th, 1988. It's, it's we're like We're going to watch the match that they were talking about in yeah, the contract signing. It feels weird to skip it. Yes. Originally, we set out, we were just like, we'll just do pay-per-views. But we've, like, there's just some historical significance to some certain things. Yeah. And so we'll kind of sprinkle in some things that, like... It's like, well, we can't miss that. that. They did think. that on... Like, they don't always do things on... Sometimes they do stuff on TV. So every once in a while they do stuff on TV that like, that's, is important. So Yeah. And this is one of those things. If you're watching on the... If you're watching along with us, you can find that show actually on the WWE Network. If you go to Saturday Night Main Event... Uh, and you go to 1988, it's the show that's on yeah. February 5th. I, I don't think they have them numbered in, like, they're episode not, I, numbers. They're not numbered, no. It's by date. So I can't give you a number, but that's how you can find February it. February 5th, 1988, yeah. yeah. So we're going to do that next week. It'll probably be a shorter show. Cause uh, we might. Couple, we also might record that uh, episode outside as well, so you might hear, hear some more cicadas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're coming through or not, but no, uh, we decided to... Like, um, get back to nature. It's a beautiful day. Sad to yeah, it's not windy. Talk about we're, like We're in Oklahoma. Normally, it's really windy. It's not windy. It's really windy yeah, and hot. Typically, but right now, it's like still and only like kind of a mos- kind of a lot of mosquitoes. But So the music from this week's show, we're going to play that Royal Rumble theme song that Michael was talking about earlier. That It's awful, and I'm sorry. And then, uh, also as Michael mentioned, uh, right about now you're probably hearing the Islanders theme song. And it's mean, and it's good, and we probably won't ever play it again, but, you know, enjoy it. It's good. 
we try and play different music whenever we get a chance. Yeah. We got a chance this time. It so. can't all be uh, Ricky D. It can't all be uh, Real American or Spotch there in yeah. yeah. Ricky D, man. So if you like us, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcoin. Which, if you uh, if you haven't signed up on Podcoin, you get paid to listen to podcasts, and you can uh, use the code History X. You get an extra two hundred coins. Oh shit! Uh, but yeah, if you like us, uh, find us, rate us, review us, just all those places or wherever else you find your podcasts. You can always hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, arguing with NXT refs. <laughs> Shout uh, out Eddie. Shout out to Eddie and D.A. Brewer. Uh, both those guys, uh, good dudes. I got D.A. Brewer to pop. Oh, yeah. That's my old adorable. Uh, you can find us at Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>